Okay. Too much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lore And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 144 Horror business. And today we have two films that are tangentially related because they both involve a kangaroo. Huh? What? <laughs> no, you know, like the, the, the cut scene in Christine when, uh, what's his face? Robert Prosky has the pet kangaroo in his junkyard. No, Robert uh-huh. Blossoms. Yeah, you know, he's a, and he's just Smell of a new car is about the finest smell in the world, except for fresh kangaroo shit and pussy. They cut that part out, though. Okay. This, I do think this connection actually makes sense. So the two films we're talking about are Christine yes. and, and Talk to Me. Yes. And Justin, you, I was like, hey, there's a lot of newer stuff out. We haven't talked about a newer movie recently. Pick a newer movie. And you said, Talk to Me. And I said, okay, let's do something that's about addiction or about teens out of control or about teens kind of in their own world. There's there's a certain kind of teen horror where teenagers almost seem to be free of the world of adults, which is like, I think for younger kids, seems kind of psychotic, right? Like a, there's a certain generation of kids where it's like, how did they find any time away from their parents? How did they find time where they weren't at a sport of some kind? You know what I mean? Like the, just the way things are today. But in both these movies, Teens have a lot of time to just do whatever the fuck they want. So anyways, I suggested a bunch of movies that I thought were teens either on their own or teens dealing with addiction. I think Christine kind of covers the, 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 the gamut here. Um, it certainly deals with obsession, right? Yes. Um, but it is also very much a movie where there are parents. Uh, my man's parents are pretty useless, right? But the, the best being the scene where his dad's like, you know, Oh, you mister, you're going to run. And he's like, or what? <laughs> Dude, that scene. Oh, my God. That fucking scene when Keith Gordon just like, keep your mitts off me, motherfucker. And his dad grabs him by the throat. Or then his dad lunges at him and he just grabs him by the throat. And it's just like, that is such a power exchange right there. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I, I love. God, I love Christine so much. It. I, I would also say. These are both movies that have a variety of opinions about them, right? Yes. Uh, some people loved Talk to Me. Some people hated it. I'm not going to reveal my thoughts yet. <laughs> uh, some people love Christine. Some people hate it. Uh, I've already been pretty vocal about this. I love Christine as well. Um, I get that on the scale of Carpenter, it's not like top tier Carpenter for me, but it's still better than a lot of other horror movies. You know what I mean? Like, no, okay, it it's has, not the thing, but it's really great. You know, it has my favorite piece. It has my favorite score from a John Carpenter. Unbelievable score. Unbelievable. And there is one scene in this movie that like haunts me. It, well, it you know what? You know what? Me. You know what? We got to save it for the main part. We'll save it for the, we don't want, we, we, we don't, it's a sizzle reel. We don't want to give away too much. So, before we go any further, we'd like to thank a few people. First, we'd like to thank our patrons over at patreon.com backslash You are the wind beneath our wings, the air in our lungs, 
the fucking blood that pumps through our veins and fills us with energy to do this, to keep doing this, and not lose money. If you want to be a part of the movement that keeps us from going completely broke, you can head to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Because as I have been shouting to the heavens every single day of my life, money is not real, but the rest of the world isn't on board with my ideas yet. And until they are, we still have costs. The, running, a, running a website, running a podcast network comes with costs. And you guys help offset that cost, and it is greatly appreciated. So if you would like to join the masses that are, that are, that are, that are, you know, pumping the fucking blood, just pumping, it's pumping, it's pounding and throbbing, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks and smash that subscribe button. That was good. I like that. Uh, we also like to thank the uh, okay people over at Lehigh Valley Barrel Creations. Um, now, Liam, if you were running arguably the greatest record store of all time and you were closing down in three days and you wanted t-shirts made that featured the ultimate warrior hoisting you upon your shoulders, um, where would you go to get that shirt made? Well, I would, of course, go to my good friends at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have to go to their website, uh, xlvacx.com, but if I wanted to, I could. Uh, if I was this person, though, who uh, owns Double Decker Records, I could just text Chris Reject. But for everyone else, head to xlvacx.com for all your screen printing needs. You know, T-shirts, hoodies, commemorative flags they got you covered and while you're checking out their website maybe you uh maybe you skedaddle is that the word i want to say maybe you mosey maybe you mosey on over to merch bin which is their uh store where they work with a bunch of different bands and they also have their own company dry rod where they make shirts and let's just say these shirts are for ip that you want to have on your body that's all i'll say about that did you see the t-shirt, speaking of John Carpenter, that they just released for The Thing? I did. It's dope. It's pretty dope. So, let them know we sent you Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, xlvacx.com. Of course, we also want to thank our friend Aaron Dahlbeck over at sfcoffeeroasters.com. You know, they make good coffee, right? You want coffee. You you have, maybe you just like coffee like me. Maybe you have an addiction. I'm not here to judge. Point is, if you want fresh, high quality beans roasted to order, gonna go to over to Essex Coffee Roasters. Maybe you're gonna add some tea, some quality tea. Maybe you're gonna add a T-shirt or a novelty mug. I don't know. It's your call. Yeah. Then on your way out, you're gonna put in C I N E P U N X. You're gonna get ten percent off your order. Ten percent. Come on. Yeah. How can you say no to that? Um. I also want to thank. We also would like to thank. Our good friend Paul Sharkey over at Mechanical Shark Media. Um, now he doesn't need us to endorse him. Hey, thanks, thanks, Sharkey. Check out Mechanical Shark Media. Sharkey, whenever recently, whenever we say too much stuff, he always gets annoyed and texts me. I, I just want to say that Sharkey recently revealed to me that there is a wolf sanctuary. Whoa! Like forty five minutes from my house. Whoa. And I have to go there and see the maybe die at the wolf's hands. But I wanna go I wanna go there with Sharky, so 
I guess if you're going to die by the hands of an animal, a cute wolf is a good good way to do it. Though, personally, I'm holding out for a hippo. Yeah, I'm going to say it's either going to be a wolf or like an alligator for me. I, either way. You love alligators. I'm, I'm still, here's the thing. I wouldn't be as stoked on the alligators or their cousins, the crocodiles, if it wasn't for the fact that they seem to have some sort of blood pact with uh, capybaras. That kind of <laughs> endears them to me. It really does. I they, that they is just the most, hang out. They're just buddies. They just chill. They're like, I, I every time I see a picture, I'm just like, what the fuck are we? Like, this is like this goes against the laws of nature, and I'm fucking here for it. Well, and they, you know, they also have their feud with one of the cats. Which cat is it that they don't? Like? I believe it's an ocelot or a jaguar. Uh, I believe it's the jaguar because the jaguars eat you know, copy bars. And yeah, and, and then there's giant river otters, which I don't like to think about because they gross. look like a nightmare. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. Uh, while we're here, I'll just say, you know, not a sponsor, but I appreciate the look. Check out roughcutfanclub.com. Uh, we're going to have our leftovers from the Halloween drop up soon. Honestly, I just have to count them. <laughs> we, I got them. I got the extras, but I got to count them. Because here's what's the problem. If I don't count them carefully, Justin, I put the wrong numbers up. People start buying the shirts. Before you know it, I got to write an email saying, uh, we sold you a shirt that doesn't exist. That shirt doesn't exist. I apologize. Um, hey, I also want to, while we're in this in this, air, this thank yous area, I want to specifically say thank you to anyone who's posting their their uh, end of year wrapped and, and uh, we're on their podcast list. I've, I've seen it from a couple people specifically former guest uh butcher of uh grip hook we were in his top five podcasts that's what's love up. that love to see that uh anyone else out there if we're in your top i personally i don't use spotify so if that's you and you don't use spotify i get it but if you're using the spotify and we're on your list let us know us cinepunks one of the other folks also uh fr- friend of the podcast uh sarah mack um she oh she, she's like a nurse i think okay one of her patients was listening to us the other day. No way. Yeah. Like she has, she has like a daughter who's like six or seven, who is like, <laughs> like weirdly obsessed with us. Only because <laughs> I was like, Oh no, Gemma have a shirt. So she's like, anytime she sees her, she's like, tell Justin about that. Um, but this guy was in, in uh, Sarah's place of work and he was like listening to us. And Sarah's just like, that sounds like Justin talking. And then she like went out to the waiting room and was like, Oh no, I know those guys. Like, that's really cool that you, you you listen to them. So, that's pretty cool. Although, was this person just listening to us on the speaker on their phone? Yeah, so that's uh, that's not great. Hey man, hey, if you're that that hospital or uh, medical facility bound person who's listening to it, hey, hey, let me know. I'll send you some. I'll send you some uh, some earbuds, buddy. <laughs> I got extra earbuds. I got a bunch of extra earbuds actually because I got those. I got those wireless now. I, yeah. got the, I got the Raycons because uh, I'm not trying to buy the Apple ones are too expensive. So I got the Raycons. So I got all these earbuds. I used to like collect these Johns because I needed I was always losing them. So I needed them. But uh, I'm not losing these Raycons anytime soon. So, uh, hey, I will send you earbuds so that you don't have to listen to us on this. Now, don't get me wrong. That that was cool because maybe someone heard us and was like, oh, yeah, we're what up. But also. Here's the thing. I don't know if you feel this way, Justin. I feel like when I'm listening to a podcast, if someone else hears it at a random part, it might be like the worst thing ever. There you, have been, uh, no, I yep yep I know what you mean. 
I mean, just like I was thinking about this today. It's funny this came up because I was thinking about this. I really like that. You ever listen to that Cerebro podcast, the X Men podcast? No. They just did an episode on Juggernaut. It was like uh, it was like seven hours long. You know, so fucking long. And there was a lot of tangents. And one of their theses is about Juggernaut is that Juggernaut is uh, one of many X Men characters who is coded as gay, whether they make it text or not. And that him and Black Tom have been in a relationship for a long time. Oh, I didn't and even think about Black Tom. As they talked about it, I was like, fuck, this is real, right? But of course, they're, they're, the, the people, it was the host, is this guy Connor, and the he had on a guy who is, you know, I don't know what he's, I, I think he's written for a few things, and he has a podcast too. He most recently wrote for uh, uh, a short Captain or uh, uh, Captain Marvel run, so he's like worked for Marvel. But famously, these two gentlemen were uh, lovers at one point. So as oh. they're talking about all kinds of stuff, they like made jokes about their own sex life and stuff. And I was thinking, if someone just heard a random snippet of this, they'd be giving me a look, right? And that's not because the podcast is bad. Podcast is great, and everything they said was funny. And it made sense in context, but that's the thing about a podcast, right? Not everything makes sense, not in context, right? Yeah. So all you need is a clip of me and Justin saying something crazy for someone to be like, hey, yo, what's, what's up with that motherfucker? And we'll be like, oh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it made sense at the time. Um, yeah, so I'll send you earbuds if you need them. Okay, hey, there's a question I think you want to ask me. It is. As, as you and me are driving, you know, we're, we're driving home from school. And I'm I'm the popular jock, and you're this this nerd with your glasses. And I just saved you in, in shop class. And we're driving, and you see this fucking piece of shit 1958 Plymouth Fury on the side of the road. And you're like, oh, Justin, stop the car. Justin, stop the car. I got to get this. I'm like, yo, Liam, what's your fucking problem? He's like, oh, go back. I got to see her. And I grab you, and I go, I'll fucking take you back there. And I'll fucking have your back against that weird guy who was also in Home Alone. You tell me right now, motherfucker. What have you done involving Har recently? What you didn't take into account is that in 1978, that car was only 20 years old. I know. So <laughs> you really should have said a 2003 Toyota Tercel or some shit like that. Like, That's, dude, not for okay, not to go off on a tangent. I remember reading this book for the first time and putting that together, and I was like, wait a minute, that car wasn't that old when that kid found it. Like, I wasn't reading this as like. 1990 whatever being like oh a 1958 plymouth fury uh, i was like this book takes place in like the late 70s like it's it's not that old it's it's like my my 2012 subaru legacy is only a few years out from that it would be like like well <clears throat> this is the thing right which is what makes it even more psychotic that there are still people now who are obsessed with the 50s right like if if in the 90s you had a friend who was straight up like, yo, how cool were the 20s? I'm just going to dress like it's... Well, I guess that did happen with all those fucking swig bands, huh? Don't I get this, me started. Don't yeah, yeah, me, yeah. I, I, I don't get me fucking started on that. I I got into a conversation with someone about that, and I had to graciously bow out because... Psychotic. Very, they, they are a very kind-hearted person, and they were not open to my my reasoning. Yeah. Unless you know me... And you can you can sift through my shouting. My reasoning isn't the soundest. Sure. But it is if you know me. No, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. 
you asked me what I've done in horror. Uh, yes. Here's the deal. I started not one, not two, but three movies, three different movies I started and then got distracted from and then didn't come back to just to discuss on this podcast. But I never finished any of these three movies. So I'm very embarrassed about that because I wanted to talk about movies on, on the podcast, you know, uh, which isn't to say I don't just watch horror sometimes, guys. I know it's starting to sound like I never watch horror movies, but the reality is I've had a busy time, Justin. Like uh, we had that big drop, and I had to get that out the door, and we had holiday stuff going on, and I didn't have as much time, and you know I needed to watch the movies for this show and for my other shows, so I'm feeling a little bit behind horror wise um in general i will say one of the movies i started and i haven't finished yet but i've i'm you know getting close to finished is that uh el conde movie you know oh i love that movie is it really good so so far i've been really liking it yeah yeah, yeah. i'm pretty stoked on it um but everything else i just kind of started and whatever the only thing i finished was not a new movie but it's a movie that was on the list of movies that played at the horathon that i had not seen and that is uh, a ghost story have you ever seen this movie um, is that the one with Casey Affleck? No, I know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. Yeah, that's I, I, I know about a ghost story. Yes, I think we've yes. talked about it on here. Have we? I've never seen it before. Um, I'm familiar with the poster. Most people would be familiar with the poster. Yes, yeah. yes. Or I say poster, but or the cover of the VHS, which is, you know, the, the, the art was familiar to me, but I never watched the movie. Did not realize how fucking horny it was going to be. <laughs> you know, so he, here's here's something that people don't realize. The modern idea where all ghosts are Casper, right? All ghosts are immaterial. That, like, wasn't a thing. Did you guys know that? Like, that for years and years and years, ghosts were just dead people come back. They weren't necessarily conceived as being ethereal the way that we currently conceive of them. So if you are not familiar with some of the classic ideas of ghosts, it might be weird to you how much ghost sex there is in this movie. Because you would think, wait a minute, if she's dead, how are they spending so much time banging? But in older stories, people just came back from the dead and they weren't zombies, but they were dead, thus they were ghosts. And, And this idea that all ghosts are these like, you know, uh, almost like moving images, uh, I think became more popularized when movies started, that we started to get this idea of these projected images that you could see through and that were there, but not there. But there are lots of older ghost stories where people like fight ghosts, they hug ghosts, they have food, ghosts eat a meal at their table. You know, they come back from the dead and have They make dinner. love to ghosts. Yeah, well, and that's what I'm trying to say here. This is a horny ghost movie. Uh, you know, when I told my friend uh, Justin Miller that I was watching it, he's like, oh, that movie sucks. It's the editing is so bad. I got to say, he's kind of right. It's it, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a movie that was this. I want to say professional because there's a lot of like older actors in it who are like, I mean, at this point, they weren't a big deal anymore, but, you know, they still were hollywood people at one point so this isn't like a you know this isn't like uh uh the hills have eyes or trash cans of t- you know what i mean like this is not like a low budget whatever so knowing how this movie was actually like a bigger production uh you know not huge but had some money it is very choppily edited it's one of the more choppily edited movies i've seen from this era i still gotta say horny ghost movie i was in man it was a lot of it was a lot of fun um, it's not super scary, but it is very like 
weird and haunting in its own way. And I found that fun. And even though it's post, I mean, we're, we're almost in December, so it's definitely post Halloween. It just had that kind of spooky vibe of something that like I would want to watch around Halloween. You know what I mean? Like that, that's a, it's not like horrifying, you know, it's not bloody, although there's some gooey moments. Uh, It still had like a, just a fun spooky vibe combined again with unnecessary horniness that I just thought like, this is a fun movie. I'm glad I watched it, but that's all I got. I have been reading some horror comics lately, but that's about it. Okay. Um, so I, so the first movie that I watched, that's like horror related. Um, have you heard of this honest, the fortuitous and the talisman of souls? Oh yes. I know all about it. Okay. So, let me say up front that like 80% of this movie made me want to throw my fucking laptop out the window. But there's like a handful of scenes where it's like really well done and really like kind of touching and sweet. So the is is there like some puppet work in this movie, right? Yes, the puppet work is phenomenal. Yeah, so the uh I almost had the because of our speaking of Sharky, our good friend Sharky loves uh puppet stuff if if anyone who's followed mechanical shark media stuff you know he's done his own amount of puppet work as well as other kind of special effects and uh creating things whatever and we almost had the person who created all the puppets for that movie who's done a lot of other stuff too on cinepunks it's just i when i was trying to get it he was busy and i was like okay i'll get back to you and then when i did it just didn't hear back from so he's got a lot of stuff going on but here's the thing I have people who've told me that that movie is insufferable. And I've had people tell me that they loved it. Sharky thought it was pretty good. I don't think he loved it, loved it, but he, he definitely enjoyed it. I'll, I'll say that there was a lot of like, there was a lot of moments where I was just like, God, this is so fucking annoying. But like, I don't know, man, like every 10 to 15 minutes, like there were just some, like the, there would be this like moment where the, there'd be a scene where I was just like, fucking hell they can't they they got me they got they got they they pulled me back in how do you feel about onyx is this is it annoying because you don't like him or is it annoying because the movie overall is annoying i don't like onyx see here's the thing here's the here's the deal i'm a big fan i was always a big fan big fan on on the on the ticker talkers i think he's funny now granted i say big fan he really has only done he he started off on youtube before tiktok and he maybe had like four or five kind of classic YouTube appearances where he sort of weaseled his way onto actual broadcast of things and like played the character and did interviews and shit. I think all those videos are magical. He's a just based on those God among men. I will say once he got on TikTok, the gimmick got a little old only because it was just him doing the character kind of over and over and over again. And I think that he needed some new material. I'm still stoked to see this movie because I like him overall and I think it could be cool, but I understand that if you don't like that character, this movie would be, I'm assuming difficult to watch, right? Like, well, because it's a lot is, of him. I, I, I definitely, even though I find the character annoying, I do respect the fact that he would, he would go to comic conventions and trick people in, in interviewing him as like an actual person. And as annoying as that is, I I I gotta respect the hustle. I gotta give him credit for doing that. Like that is fucking funny as shit. Mostly comic conventions. Also, a couple times local news, which I yes, that's that, like yeah. The things. Yeah, so yeah. So like 
you know, convincing people that he is not a character instead of a real person, again, I can't knock the hustle. That's give credit where credit's due. Um, but I don't know. There's just something overall about that. Um, I don't know. It's like hard to pin down. It just, it just, I, I don't like it. It just, it, it gets, it gets annoying really fast. But again, there's moments in this movie where like he kind of lets himself be <clears throat> vulnerable. Sure. Sure. And it's, 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 it's fucking, it's very sweet. And it's very like, Oh wow. No, like this, this dude is like, this dude knows how to act and knows how to like bring like layered dimensions to this character. And this character isn't just some annoying fucking goth guy. Just like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you see, uh, and I went to the comic convention uh, and it's like, you know, there again, I know I sound like a broken record, but there's moments when you're just like, oh, God damn it, man. That was really, really, really beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Um, I also watched uh, a movie called The Last Exit, which is kind of like a weird. Um, it's one of those movies where it's like. You know, people show up at a location and that you think they're the bad guys and then there's these innocent people at the location and then like the tables get flipped and the, the bad guys have to team up with some of the innocent people to find their way out. Um, that is on Tubi for free. Um, I watched a movie called Sister Death, which was a prequel to the... Do you remember the movie Veronica that came out on Netflix? I do, yeah. Yes, I really liked Veronica. This movie was just a tad underwhelming because it was like, I failed to see... This feels like... Okay, do you remember back in like, like the late 90s, early 2000s, when Dimension Films was just getting scripts and being like, this is really good. Now put Pinhead in it and it's a Hellraiser <coughs> movie. Yes, 100%. That's how this movie feels. This movie feels like it had a solid script and they're like, you know what would really like carry this over the finish line is if we connected, to, connected it to Veronica. So it wasn't bad, but it really, all it had going was like, from the makers of Veronica comes the next thrilling chapter. Show you where it all started. It's like, eh, I don't really care about that. Um, I watched a movie called Oracle. Um, that was it's on Netflix. It's fine. Um, I watched a movie on Tubi for free called Near. That made me want to smash my computer in half and find the actor in this movie and crush his fucking head. It was. It sucked. It was awful. Stupid. Um, watched a movie on Shutter called Night of the Hunted. Now, have you have you heard or seen of this movie? Yeah, I've actually um, I've seen quite a people a few people talking about it, but I don't know much about it. Um, it's just about this woman who she stops at like a gas station late at night, and um, she starts getting attacked by a sniper, and has to survive the night and figure out why why she's I remember attacked. seeing this trailer and thinking it looked cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um especially cuz it doesn't really it doesn't try to be any more than it has any right to be and it knows its limits, which I really appreciate. Um and it's really fucking tense. Like I am a fan of that 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 subgenre where like dudes mess with women and then women just beat the shit out of them and it becomes like a fucking free-for-all by the end 
I love that. I love that. That whatever that is, I want more of that in horror films. Um, I watched a movie on Hulu called Appendage, which imagine if David Cronenberg made like a black comedy. This woman, she's stressed. She has anxiety. Oh, when all of a sudden she has this weird growth on her hip, and oh, look at that. She has a conjoined twin now that constantly mocks her and tells her your parents think you're a failure. Your boyfriend's fucking your best friend. Your boss is gonna fight. It's like voicing, and she has to like learn how to live with it. I dug it. Um, and then I watched a movie on Screenbox last night called uh, Night of the Missing, which it's an anthology film. And the wraparound story, in theory, sounds great. One night in the Yuletide, Christmas time, middle of this like bad storm, this woman shows up at a sheriff's office. She walks in, and there's like a wall full of like missing posters, like missing people, and she starts talking about how each of the people went missing, and every story is a missing 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 persons poster. That sounds really cool. It just wasn't executed all that well. And the high point was one of the characters was, was this like young college age woman who went missing one night. Um, she gets a call from like a 900 number and it's this horny guy played by Bill Mosley who is sounding very horny. And what does Bill Mosley sound like when he's horny? It just sounded like Chop Top on the other end of the fucking line being like, yeah, you should do that. That sounded... Oh, I'm almost there. Keep doing that. Ah, okay, that was cool. Um, But the rest of it was just, you know... I don't know, like, kind of a mess. But it's on Screenbox, so if you have Screenbox and you want to watch it, and you want to hear Chop Top come over our phone, <laughs> go check it out. <laughs> if that's your thing. If that's your thing. But yeah, that's all I've really done recently. You know, I forgot to mention two TV shows I think are worth mentioning. Okay. <clears throat> One I think you've watched as well, which is that uh, the Monarch Legacy of Monsters show. Amazing. I'm really liking it so far. I haven't gotten to episode three yet, but uh, so far what we've seen, we really like it. I really wasn't I love, expecting to be that stoked on it, but I'm really stoked on it. I, I really love that in the first episode, they've established a Tokyo. They've established a world where Godzilla is, like, kind of boring. Like, I love that, that that woman's, like, walking down the street and the alarm starts going off, and there are people who were like, ugh, again? And it's like, right, right. what the fuck is that? And it's just like, it's probably a false alarm. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, that is exactly how that would be in real life. Well, There'd and, be and also that in this Godzilla-verse, like, in this world of Godzilla, that Godzilla took more of his things out on San Francisco than he did on Tokyo, right? Yes, so yeah. the cab driver who's like, that was all fake. They faked it. Because you know, in the other Godzilla verse where Tokyo's getting it more than San Francisco, there's definitely a cab driver in San Francisco who's like, that shit was not real. They yeah. faked that whole thing. I love that the the juxtaposition of that in this world. I was like, fuck, that's so real. It's And it's, it's also great because it ties in with the Godzilla versus Kong where there's the one guy whose entire yep. thing is like, nah, the shit, the, this, you're just making this up. Like there's, um, and plus the casting of Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell is just yeah. fucking divine. I'm surprised. I, again, not that I had expected it to be bad, but I expected it to be okay. 
and I think it's better than okay so far. I think it's really good. Oh, yeah. And then the other one I wanted to mention is a animated show that's on HBO, whatever the whatever the app is called now. Max, I guess, is what it's called. Um, it's called Scavengers Rain. Have you watched this yet? No. Yo. It is technically a sci-fi show, but like match sci-fi, when you put people in a truly alien environment, horrific things happen. And, you know, I, we've watched a few episodes of it, and so far it's just some folks are marooned on an alien planet. They've been there for a little bit. One of them figures out how to turn the ship that they've been where they like got out of the ship in these life pods. And the ship's just sort of floating in space. But there are people in cryogenic on the ship. So after a long time, two of these people, who, by the way, they're not in contact with all the other, like everyone who's landed on the planet doesn't know if anyone else is alive on the planet. There's no way for them to communicate. So they figure out a way to reactivate the ship and get it to land. So then the primary action of the series so far is people trying to make their way to the ship. They, they saw it coming into the atmosphere and they're like, oh, fuck. I better I better try to get there. And uh, all it is is just them going across this alien landscape and it alternates between wondrous and fascinating and just some real skin-crawling, horrific nightmare stuff. And it's animated, so it might be a little less visceral for people, but some of the stuff that happens on the show, dude, I like felt my skin crawling a little bit watching it. It was... It is awesome. I haven't finished the season yet. I'm a little worried that like some of my favorite sci-fi is like not Asimov style hopeful stuff, but like truly hopeless shit that ends with like no hope, not only for the characters you like, but for humanity, you know? So I'm a little anxious that that's where this show is going to end up. I don't know. But so far it's just been enchanting and interesting. And 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 what's it called? Scavenger's Reign. I am opening that up to watch as soon as i get done with there we go perfect it's really good and and i will expect at some point to get texts from you about some of these weird aliens whoever is like created this thing is unbelievable creativity just uh the ideas of the way this uh ecosystem works are just unbelievable so anyways okay that's all i got though we can we can move we can move on all right so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about 1983s Supernatural horror film directed by John Carpenter, based upon the novel of the same name, Christine. We'll be right back. What do you mean, came back? I'm sorry, Arnie, I can't. I know you're jealous. The kitten's cut in half, Arnie. Riot is over. And we are back to talk about Christine, the movie. um, It's about a killer car. It's also the name of a banger of a song by Susie and the Banshees. Um, Because as you know, revealed by my Spotify, I am the world's biggest Susie and the Banshees fan, apparently. (laughs) 
which who the fuck figured that out? Um, do we really need to talk about what Christine is about? And can we just jump in the, uh, like our, our feelings about it? No one. Well, just really quickly, only because I do think there might be people listening who haven't seen. I think it's like less seen than you think it is. I think Carpenter heads have seen it, right? Like Carpenter yeah. completus. But well, at least when I was a kid, it had a bad rep. People were like, "Oh, Christine, that's one of those shitty Carpenter movies." I heard that a lot. Uh, also, I think King adaptations. I think uh, some people, have, a, a chunk of people, have turned the corner on that sort of thing. Where the idea, I think, for a long time was, oh, King adaptation. It's probably pretty good. Um, I don't think that's the vibe, really. I think uh, I think something like people liking Doctor Sleep or people liking the first installment of It are seen as like outliers. That there's just as many like really bad King adaptations. I will say this does fit the vibe of a certain kind of King adaptation, where it definitely makes some of its own decisions about yeah the narrative. Uh, can I be honest with you, Justin? Sure. I think those are good decisions. Okay, give me an example. Well, the way that Christine's relationship with... Oh, what's the character's name again? The, the uh, Arnie? Yeah. Um, it's, it's in the movie. It feels more sexual. It's a seduction, right? Oh, my God, yeah. I think that's is a great... It, is I, that I a hot take? Well, no, but the hot take is that I think that's way better than the book. I think it's far superior to the book in my Oh mind. my god, yeah. It it's it's because okay. An advantage that I think this has over the book is that Stephen King wasn't content to just have this haunted car. So it, it's been years since I've read this book. Have you ever read the book? Yeah, but also it's been a long time. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, the 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 book kind of implies that Christine has gained this like horrifying sentience sentience through like acts of sacrifice to her. Not unlike the Overlook Hotel or the Marston House. Like you could say that Christine was one of King's, you know, capital B bad places, capital well, place. but it's but it's also animated to some extent by his ghost. I thought that my memory is that the it, it, even in death he is present as a person. Yes, but he's also um, what I'm saying is he starts like he lets his daughter die in the car. Right. Like, yes. She's dying and he places her in the car. Um, and there's all these like weird things like that. It's nothing is like it's it it's nothing is like, and I I can't believe I'm about to say this. It's nothing is like A to B as like the mangler. Yeah. Where yeah. they go out of their way to be like, and then he dropped five virgin blood drops into the mangler and they spilled nightshade in there and thus it became alive. It's more just like the car was this man's obsession. Yes. And he was a miserable human being who was like utterly materialistic <clears throat> and he like was driven to like kind of make this car his love. Okay, let me let me be clear about something then, because I think I I think you explaining it to a certain extent makes me realize something. I think on paper, like conceptually, the obsession and the evil that that obsession represents, creating a possessing sort of aura to this car, right, is more compelling than evil car. Because in the movie, 
Christine's just evil for no reason. Comes yeah. off the line and eats and kills a guy, and that's that's it. And I I can see why. For certain people, if you're like it's a it's a it's a killer car, but it's played straight. You know, this isn't like uh, the bed who eats, or you know what I mean, like the killer yeah, bed, yeah. the bed who eats, or whatever, or, or or one of those sorts of things. This is like it's played straight. You know, it's a it's a real thing. I could see why conceptually the corruption angle makes sense, but as a movie man. The seduction of 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 Arnie by Christine is so real and so made so real by both his acting and the special effects of Christine being like, "Oh, you're right. I could fix myself. Sorry about That's, that." That it's, scene ugh. has John Carpenter has gone on record to say that that scene is modeled after a striptease. Yeah, and it is. Like, it it does what it's supposed to do. Yeah, the score. The the, the 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 musical piece for that number is simply titled "Show Me," which is what Arnie says to her or it, and it's like there is definitely something erotic about that, and it's the way he, um, I mean, even the way he touches it, even the way, you know, he talks about how she gets jealous when he has Lay in the car. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and and the other thing I want to say about this too. Is that um, you know, for for this, I watched it. Um, I watched it on uh my Plex that I'm on, and I think it was like a Blu-ray rip, and it looked pretty good. But one year at Harthon, they played the 35 millimeter of this John, and it was a pretty pristine print of it. I think it was at Harthon. Uh, and seeing it on film, man. This is this is one of his actually better looking movies. Like I know that's hard to say with Carpenter because he made some of the best looking horror and exploitation movies of all time. You know, like even people yeah. who don't like his movies have to admit that most of them look beautiful. This one looks so good. I I just think like it's one of the things that people don't talk about. Either they like Christine or they think Christine is cornball. But like beyond having such an amazing score. This is a beautiful movie, and so the selling of Christine sort of fixing itself as a way to like reveal to Arnie the depth of their weird supernatural relationship, you know, it works partly because it looks so good, and the whole movie looks good, and all the he does the trick with all the wet streets and whatever, and yep, uh, it's something. So I, I think we've said it, but just real quick, in case anyone's listening, they don't know, it is it's an evil car. But it's not just an evil car. It's like the car has gone to disrepair, thus losing its sort of evilness. And Arnie finds it and he's, you know, he's insecure. He doesn't know how to find his place. He's almost murdered uh, in shop class in what is one of the more homoerotic fight scenes in a high school I've seen in a long time. Oh, you mean, you, you, what do you, now, what, what part do you think is homoerotic? Is the scene where a character literally grabs him by the balls? Uh -huh. Is that what, is that is that homoerotic? The way that the uh, that the hair guy pulls the knife out, it it literally feels like he's pulling his dick out, <laughs> and his pants are so tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything about that scene is so like I'm dominating you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, just yeah. so much male libido in that scene, and, and weird power dynamics. The whole thing just just like, all right, I see where this movie's going, but um. You know, he's he feels like a piece of shit, basically. And, he, you know, his best friend is one of the more cool, quote unquote, people at the high school. And it's clear that Arnie feels like he doesn't measure up, that maybe this friend, 
this dude doesn't really respect him because he's a bit of a loser, right? And they find this beat up car. They get it from a guy who's literally like, yeah, life doesn't mean anything. Life is suffering. Buy this car. Whatever you want. It's fine. (laughs) That guy is such a fucking, he is (laughs) such a fucking character. He's such a fucking character. That's Robert Blossom, by the way. Yeah. Who was also, um, he was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And earlier I made a joke about old man Marley from Home Alone. That's that's who this is. You know, the sweet old man from Home Alone who's like, that's my granddaughter. It's this guy wearing this like disgusting fucking back brace talking about how he loves the smell of pussy and all this like gross shit. So and he might as well say like from that first scene, he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a piece of shit car, whatever. It might have killed. It might have killed my brother and drank his blood. I don't fucking know. Here's the car. (laughs) It's so fucking weird, man. Um, he, just, he offhandedly is like, yeah, my niece died in that car. 250 and it's yours. It's great. So here's the thing. When it first starts, it kind of fits the theme of what this episode is with Talk to Me, right? In that Arnie's obsessed. And he's so obsessed, yeah. he can't let it go. He starts to ignore his friends. He, because of the car gets like the you know quote-unquote hot girl at school or whatever which they've sort of set up ahead of time she's kind of aloof or some bullshit or whatever and then uh she goes out with him eventually she realizes that she's got to get out of this relationship because the car is not cool with them dating yeah when the car literally tries to kill her yeah literally tries to murder her anyways point is his obsession gets more and more until he realizes like what the fuck is going on and probably the biggest reveal is that this murder spree that's going on where the car basically uh, these, because the dude tries to stab Arnie in the junk, I guess uh, he gets expelled. He's got a, uh, you know, an ax to grind and he's got these fucking uh, dudes who he probably jerks off in a junkyard somewhere referencing another Stephen King book. Um, Good one. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) And uh, he, he, you know, he's got these men who do whatever he wants. They sneak into where Arnie keeps his car and they beat the shit out of it, which of course the car is down with because it lets the car show off how magic it is to Arnie later. And that's part of the seduction. But also uh, the car has been going on solo missions, murdering people. And when they figure out that the car is like solo murdering these guys. And by the way, some of the best, the, when he when the, the the chase scenes in this movie the scene where they blow up the gas station when that all happens like i get that this isn't a slasher and it isn't a demon or a zombie you know it, it, it is it doesn't fulfill the expectations of a lot of horror hounds or whatever some of the scenes in this movie are so fucking badass man that whole part and it's like christine's all the windows are all blacked out and it's a murder car and it's taking everybody out that was great that was great. Let me, let me just say, when I read this book and they talk about her being this like this live predator and she's prowling the streets, I was like, oh, okay, Stephen, just take it. It's not a predator. It's, it's, it's fine. This car in this movie is legitimately terrifying. Like, two scenes in particular. The scenes when it kills Moochie, like, in the, the, the underpass, and it's just, like, slowly, cha- it's, like, chasing him, and then it corners him in the alleyway. The fucking like that is so scary. And then there is the, I think iconic scene from this movie with the gas station when the car is on fire. Just uh, and 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 Buddy Repperton is like limping down the road, and this car is just doing like ten miles behind him, just fucking with him, just cruising along. And there's just something that's so haunting about empty stretch of highway and this car 
just casually driving along and just running this guy over. And those are the scenes that have the, 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 the theme, the score from this movie, which is like next level. This is like, that's like John Carpenter's best score. I think it's either this or the fog. Yeah. I, I can't tell. I mean, I, both those records, I mean, I don't have Christina on vinyl. I have the fog, but both those records I can just listen to. I mean, don't be wrong. Like, uh, you know, Halloween is iconic, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, I find Halloween three to be actually very listenable as a score. Yes. Yeah. I'll even put on Assault on Precinct 13. It's kind of fun. Christine in the Fog. And, you know, I don't even love the fog as much as I probably should, right? I think I disrespect a little bit. But those scores are magic. They're, they, yes. You can put them on and just appreciate them. And Christine just needs... It was really... Uh, when I saw John Carpenter, I saw John Carpenter at the Tower Theater. I think Suze might have been with me, actually. Uh, or was it at the tower or was it at the, no, it wasn't at the tower. It was at the, uh, oh, I don't remember the name. Philly people. Oh, Keswick at the Keswick theater. Uh, it was, it was incredible. And they, when he played the Christine soundtrack, they played clips from Christine and it oh. reminded me, I was like, Oh, right. I love this movie. Like I forgot that this movie's great. So anyways, yeah, there's a lot going on here. I think, um, when it comes to this movie, but also like Stephen King in general, I think our culture has a much more weird relationship with cars, right? Like not that there aren't still people obsessed with cars. There are, but the imagery of the car is different than it was then. Like the imagery of this car on the highway following this guy and it's on fire. I think there's something very American about that. It, it really comes from our psyche. Yes. You know, we paved half the country so we could drive everywhere. And it, this freedom that we found in these fucking giant metal machines is also killing us like there's yeah. really something poetic there and something i think in our psyche where we both worship and fear cars yep. and it's weird because we are closer to climate change now than than when this movie came out though you know not that climate change wasn't an issue in the 80s it really fucking was like it was an issue when carter was president we just pretended that it wasn't real right but uh but like we're closer now than when this movie came out but our relationship to cars is just different like not that it's not present not that they're not a threat but like we fetishize them less both as a positive or a negative symbol right so like if you had a killer car movie now even if it was directed by someone as amazing as john carpenter no one would take it seriously because we just don't feel that way about cars anymore you know even though teslas are deadly my whole town is filled with teslas man and i'm like yo man these things blow up all the fucking time like what are we doing like how are these people so stupid that they keep buying these stupid teslas like what is wrong with you but they do they buy them so i i think um i think it's interesting to watch because it represents a a really retro view of the car and what cars mean in our culture but our relationship to driving hasn't changed that much. It's just our, our ideas of what the car is has changed. And I, the, the, it, it almost feels like a disconnect with the movie to where we are now. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, there, there, there's the, there's like the idea of like, I mean, well, that's the thing is like, I do think there are sort of like, what do they call them? Like, like, like motorheads and like, like grease monkeys who still do work with cars, but there's like, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's not as like, um, not as like tough. 
as it was back in the back in the fifties that the that the the fury like kind of represents. Um, or, or that could just be me, you know, inadvertently uh, like idol not not idolizing but idealizing um, like car culture in the fifties because I'm sure like in the fifties people were like, ah, look at these fucking these these hooligans with their fear like their fifty eight furies like, um. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you in the in the sense that like a killer car movie today would just be kind of silly unless it was like 1958 Plymouth Fury. <laughs> That's true, but I think it, that would feel it would be a little bit different in some ways. But you're right; I think that would be that would still kind of work. Anyways, it's it's interesting because I think that even the idea that a nerd could get the right kind of car to suddenly feel like he was king of the world. It just doesn't really feel like that's a real thing anymore the way it was then. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, uh, you know, Gen Alphas are 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 fantasizing about, uh, I don't know what, Tesla's Cybertrucks. Yeah. You know, or fucking Cybertrucks. I don't know. Um, yeah, man. Okay. So uh, I think we can both admit that at some base level, it's easy to make fun of a killer car movie, right? Like. Yeah, but so 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 uh, it is. But at the same time, what makes this movie magic for me isn't just the killer car. One hundred percent. It's also the fact that we have this very strange but like truly sweet dynamic between um, Dennis and Arnie. Whereas Dennis is like the fucking cool kid. He's like the jock all star, but his best friend is like the absolute loser. And it's like at no point do you get the feeling that like Denny is like patronizing arnie like there is a very real love between the two of them and that is always so fucking endearing like the fact that these two dudes come from like completely different backgrounds and they're still like genuine friends there's just something about that just just like that just touches my heart and i I just i I don't know like it's such a neat um it's such a neat setup because I, I, I think on one hand, like Dennis doesn't trust Christine because maybe he sees Arnie trying to intrude into his world through this car. Or sure. it could it, or it could be just him being like overprotective of Arnie and smelling bullshit where there's lots of bullshit coming from the guy who fucking sells Arnie the car. It's hard because I think there's. It's both, right? And that's so Stephen King to be like, on one hand, this is about jealousy. This is about a shifting of a power dynamic that Arnie was a helpful sidekick. And that yeah. to some extent, our man enjoyed that aspect. He liked being able to be, in some sense, more secure than Arnie. But not probably to the extent that Arnie thinks, right? And that feeling, there's a there's a kernel of truth there that then Arnie probably is is playing up in his mind and he's thinking, yeah, I'm the cool one now. Yeah, I think this dude's like unsettled by Arnie sort of being different, but like it's not that deep. But I think for Arnie, Arnie feels like he's fucking won. Only this other guy didn't know that they were in a competition that he was supposed exactly. to win in the first place. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's funny because the high school that I went to, we had a very big football culture. There still is to this day, as far as I know. But what was weird is that, like, all the best football players at Easton in the class of 2001, they were all really good dudes. And I mean, like, like they weren't just, like, friendly. Like, they were, like, good-hearted people. 
We took one of them to see American Nightmare at Home Base back in 2001, and he fucking loved it. Like, and it wasn't just like a novelty. It was just like, these guys were genuinely like, oh, those kids don't seem to be as quote unquote cool as we are. We should be nice to them because that's what decent people do. And that also might be why I love this movie so much is because like, I see like, oh, that's like Ryan Kilpatrick who tore his shirt off during, during the American Nightmare set at home base and went fucking crazy. Or, you know, uh, you know, Larry Holmes Jr., son of the Larry Holmes, the boxer, who on a field trip in eighth grade, I sat in the back of the bus with him and his friends, and I got my first kiss from a girl on the lips during the game of Truth or Dare. Like, the friendly jock archetype caring for the loser is so, like, genuinely caring for the loser is such a, I don't know, it just speaks to me. Because I'm the friendly jock who cares for the nerdy loser. <laughs> um, it doesn't speak to me as deeply, but I do find their relationship really moving in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, I find a lot of this movie compelling in a way that I don't remember the book. Not that I think the book is bad, but I just didn't find it as compelling as the movie. I, I could reread the book. Maybe I'll feel differently now. But at the time, I remember the movie just feeling more visceral in some ways. Uh, I will say that the book definitely has a better ending in which Dennis realizes that Christine is like tracking him across the country to kill him. Okay. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I could I could see that. So anything else to say about Christine? I mean, if you've written it off as probably corny, I think you should give it a chance. Otherwise, I'm glad that we covered it because it's just a classic and I think it needs a little more love you know or it, should, okay. it deserves a little more love agreed so we're going to take a quick break and we come back we're going to talk about 2023's talk to me which upset me very much we'll be right back <laughs> have you seen the group chat and doing it again tonight no please it's my mom's remembrance day. I just want to forget about it. Huh? I'll do it. Cannot go for more than 90 seconds. Am I clear? What happens after 90 seconds? <laughs> Don't want to stay. Light the candle to open the door. Blow it out to close it. Put your hand on it. Now say, talk to me. Talk to me. the hand feel like? It felt amazing. I could see and feel everything on the other side. So my mom, she was trying to reach out. Mom, I'm here. Still been seeing stuff. 
You mean saying stuff. What if we open the door, but we didn't shut it? Oh my god, they followed us. I like him. They're not gonna stop. They're never gonna stop. We are back to talk about 2023's Talk To Me. Now, I've said this before on the show, but I'll say it again. I can't really point to any one moment in this movie that really went way over the top and, like, fucked with my head. But my memory of watching this movie is being terrified the entire time okay being being uncomfortable the entire time um i mean obviously there's parts in it that are like violent and upsetting but this movie really messed with my head in a way that i can't quite explain and i don't know why i mean i liked it but it, it definitely like it um it was way upsetting in a way that i i just i i can't really pin down exactly what about it that was so fucked up okay um i mean obviously like the the you know the the kangaroo that was upsetting but i knew that was coming um but i i, I don't know like i it this movie just really got under my skin like just something about it got it got deep under my skin now did you see it Originally in the theater or at home? Uh, I watched it in theaters. Okay. And did you watch it again at home for this? Was there a rewatch? uh, I did not do a rewatch, no. Oh, okay. So I did a rewatch. I also saw it in theater. And when I first saw it in the theater, I liked it a lot. I also thought it was harsh. And it's not just the brutality. There's there's that first scene where... um, The little brother is smashing his face in. And that, that is brutal. But I don't think it's so brutal that that would affect my overall opinion of the movie, per se. I agree with you. There was something else about it that I thought was pretty affecting, right? On rewatch, I don't know. Something about the... I'm, like, less excited about it on rewatch. I gotta be honest. Yeah. And I'm having trouble putting my finger on it. Like, there's a few elements here and there that I can name, but I don't think they're my issue overall. Uh, But I don't know exactly how to articulate what it is that I'm, like, not super excited about. But there's a couple things. So one of the things is, on rewatch, I don't love the vibe that other than one other character, uh, the only character of color is sort of portrayed as like invading and corrupting a white family don't love that actually and when i first watched it that didn't stand out to me as much on rewatch i was like "Ooh, i don't love that uh and in fact the only other characters that are somewhat like diverse at all are like the the 
essentially the dealers, one yep. of which is, uh, you know, I don't know specifically Maori or something along those lines, but indigenous. And the other person is non-binary, you know, who has uh, they, them pronouns. So it's like, but everyone else for the most part we're presented with is pretty like suburban white folks for the most part, you know, at least named characters. Yeah. Uh, that's weird. That's a weird vibe. And I think, um, I don't want to say they should have changed the casting because I think the actor, uh, portraying that character is really great and they, uh, are doing an amazing job. So I don't want to say, Oh, well, you know, they, uh, they, you know, they shouldn't have made that decision, but it, it did sort of strike me as a little weird, but I don't think that's what it is. I, there's just something about the movie. Well, and honestly, I don't know that I'm necessarily disagreeing with you. I, I think I also felt like it got under my skin in a way, but instead of liking it the way I did the first time, when I watched it again, I was kind of like, ah kind of annoyed at this movie a little bit and i'm not sure what it is something about it is just like not clicking for me and i don't know why maybe it's because um it is very much like a like there's a few things going on that i think people who really dislike this movie were concerned about one of which is this is definitely a movie that plays on trauma right and i think people are tired of trauma horror you know uh, I personally don't care about that. Like, I think I'm mostly cool with it. Uh, but the combination here of the trauma of losing her mom and the sort of metaphor for addiction that this is, which is not subtle, right? Like if it, it depends on how you feel about addiction, I guess, as a viewer, right? Yeah. Maybe you'll see it. Maybe you won't. For me, I was like, all right, I get it. Like, this is very much that. And I think the first time I saw it, I found that very effective. And on rewatch, I found it less effective and a little bit more like, I don't know, ham-fisted a little bit, like or blunt in a way that I didn't want it to be. I don't know. It's hard to say. And it's 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 honestly one of the things I found frustrating was my inability to articulate it well. I even texted other people. I didn't want to text you because I didn't want to you know, I, I didn't want to get our conversation going before we recorded. So I was like, well, let me hit up some people, but a bunch of people I know haven't seen it yet. I, I, and I don't know why, I don't know why maybe they just thought it was bad or people told them it was bad. But a lot of people I talked to were just kind of like, oh, they either didn't see it or they didn't have much to say about it. So I don't know. I haven't been able to articulate what it is. You know what? Let me put it this way, Justin, me and you, I think this show is fun, but me and you see eye to eye more than we disagree, I think, right? Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. We're more on the same page. And then when we do disagree, it's often like fun and funny and a little bit predictable. Yeah. And the only time I've ever found it to be a mortifying situation <laughs> was when we covered Parasite. And not only did you take a shit on one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life, you then admitted that you just don't like a lot of Korean movies you've seen. You wrote off the whole country of South Korea as a source of film you're not interested in. And I thought podcasting was a mistake. We should, ne we like, should never have done this. I like straight up South Korean horror. In that episode, you said, maybe I don't like Korean horror. And I thought... No, don't say that. <laughs> that was me that day. This is yeah, me today. I get it. I get it. No, no, no. And, 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 and I'm partly kidding. However, 
part of why I was so frustrated is that when I was trying to push on, what is it about Parasite didn't work for you? The thing that you said was like, I don't know, I can't really articulate it, but I I really didn't like it. And I felt that was the only part that was actually kind of frustrating. It's like, I wish we could have a conversation about it. But here's the thing. I have so much sympathy for you now, Justin. I don't know what it is about this movie that made me unhappy, especially since the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, that was pretty good. I didn't love it, but I thought, oh, that was pretty good. And watching it this time, I was like annoyed. And I can't put my finger on what it is. Something about it. That happens sometimes. Bum me out. And I can't. And it's not the performances. I mean, I don't know that everyone in the movie is great, but a lot of the performances in this movie are fucking immaculate. Just really great. Yeah. I do think it spends, this is again a minor criticism, but I do think it spends a lot of time. It spends more time than I think it needs to sort of pretending that we don't know that she's been corrupted by the spirits. Yeah, it's before she has the incident where things go off the rails. And if you haven't seen the movie, I don't want to spoil that for you. But, you know, things hit a boiling point. And then the rest of the movie is denouement after that, really. Uh, but long before that, you know that she's been corrupted by the by the spirits. Right. When when she does that weird thing with her ex that we that's when I knew the, the call was coming from inside the house. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's when you know. <laughs> And it spends a long time pretending like maybe that's not what's going on. And maybe that bummed me out a little bit too. But honestly, no individual criticism I have, even where I feel like it could have been a little more sensitive in having a few more characters of color so that you don't get this dynamic where it's like the white family's being corrupted by this outside uh, dark influence. Even that wouldn't ruin the movie for me, though, right? Like, each of these criticisms I'm grasping at are so small, they don't actually explain what I feel, which is like, I didn't like it, which is, I, I don't understand where that came from, but that's really how I felt. So, sorry, that was a long way to say, I don't know how to how to put my finger on what it is, but something about watching it again kind of bummed me out a little bit. Uh, That's fair. Um. Uh, I don't know. I, I, um, I think the part of it that like kind of, there was an aspect that stuck with me and it was, there was, so the thing that I really liked was that like, I, I love how our main character, Mia is like, she is like the cool big sister to, uh, what's her little brother's name? Riley. Right. Yes. Like, I really liked that relationship. I thought it was, it felt very genuine. It felt very very real and it's the thing at the end when she can't bring herself to do what needs to be done to kill someone that she loves um kind of reminded me this is gonna sound like a fucking like a shot in the dark there's a very like wolfman type thing where the only person who can kill a werewolf is someone that loves him um i thought there was something interesting there that even though she knew he was suffering beyond description she still couldn't bring herself to do the mercy killing and i don't know why the image of the kangaroo being tied to that like haunted me so bad because i've thought about this and it's not just it's it's not just the 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 animal suffering because um you know if i can get serious for a moment i don't really separate the suffering of animals animals from the suffering of people like I truly do believe in like animal liberation, human liberation, human liberation. Like, uh, it, there, there is no, no species has a monopoly on suffering. So it's not just the, it's not that my heart goes up more to an animal than it does to a person. 
Um, but there was just something haunting about that, like, just destroyed creature symbolizing yeah. how, like, pathetic and just, like, fucking broken this little kid was and how she still couldn't find it in herself to do what she needed to do. Like, she was struggling with that. Um, and I don't know if it was supposed to be, like, this is how much she loves him or she is weak. I mean, it could go, it could go either way, but I, I thought the idea of, like, um, the concept of, like, struggling to do a hard thing for someone you love i thought was interesting yeah well but then that becomes to some extent the the manipulation that these spirits are able to deploy against her right like yes, that I mean, well that that's another thing is like you know you could argue that her love for this kid is a very beautiful thing and these spirits are using that beautiful thing and they're weaponizing it against her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. And I and I think that the use of the of the uh kangaroo although I don't know. I don't know, just I I I uh I can't put my finger on what it is, but part of me's like, okay, I like that, but then also is it does it really does it totally work as a metaphor? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. If you want to say that if you want to say that that's cheap, I'm not going to defend that. I'm not yeah, going to argue fair. with you. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. that 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 is a that is a fair accusation to level at this movie because for a lot of people, the sight of an animal animal in pain is a very easy way to evoke like an emotional response. I sure. don't like I don't like when people do that usually. I don't like when films do that. So I mean if if that's gonna if that's gonna if that is gonna annoy you, I think that's a valid criticism on your on your part towards this movie. Yeah, I wish I could say it was just one thing for me. Like I said, I, I don't think anyone who likes this movie should feel like oh man liam does it because i can't really put my finger on it i don't know what it is and like i said the first time i saw it i felt pretty good about it i don't know there were people that i mean you know people need to stop saying that every new movie is like the scariest shit that they've ever seen like that's not the i think part of the reason the backlash on this movie was so vitriolic was because people came out of seeing it when it first came out fucking jerking off onto the internet like oh yeah no this shit was so amazing and i'm like okay come on but i did like it the first time i saw it like i did yeah. think it was was pretty solid something about the rewatch though man it run me the wrong way and i and i don't know what it is but i will say that uh you know certain things like i think the movie looks pretty good i think the spirits are gross and upsetting um i will say that it relies a lot on people's performances of awkward weirdness to be upsetting right so like i can imagine there's a kind of person where there, there's so many creepy things that like like depend on people saying things in a weird voice right when Accurate. they're possessed they do strange shit and for me that works i think for you that works i can see there being someone who's like that's just not upsetting to me and I don't know that they would, that that's a crazy thing to say, you know, like I, in other words, I don't know that this would work for everybody. Uh, 
But I think there is something there for people, especially who might find that kind of behavior more upsetting than like goop and gore and blood and stuff. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, the thing, okay, the thing, the thing that upset me, uh, especially about Mia's performance when she's first possessed. Yeah, it's a it, it's a common thing that 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 gets to me. And that is um, when there is some it's it, it's like when there's something not human playing a human being badly. And I will I, I think the actress's performance in that scene was good enough where it was like, I am not seeing a human being talking right now. I am seeing something acting like a human being talking right now. And that was not the scariest thing I've ever seen, but it was enough to get me to be like, okay, that was that fucked with my head a little bit like that, that, but I could easily see how that would come off as really annoying to some people. And I'll be honest, it could have gone that way for me too, because I, I, I don't like the head tilt to the side and the big smile. Like, it it doesn't take much like she wouldn't have had to go on much further in 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 intensity for me to be like that was stupid that was fucking corny that was something out of like a new metal video and it was dumb but the fact that it didn't go that far and the fact that there there was just enough restraint there i can pinpoint why that 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 affected me but i understand how it could be like how how some people would just see that and be like that's stupid yeah. Yeah, I think I'm more with you though when it comes to that sort of thing. Like I think that that previously <laughs> is actually really works for me, but I yeah. do think and and maybe that's part of the issue is that this movie really is walking the line when it comes to certain um uh tropes that I think some people maybe are kind of sick Absolutely. of and they're kind of over, but I don't know. Anyways, I don't I don't know. I don't have a ton else to say about it. Like I said, I this is an Australian movie. And I don't bring that up to to excuse the movie, but it's something I said. We talked about the race aspect when I first saw the movie. Uh maybe things are different in Australia. I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to make any assumptions, but to me on rewatch it really was more present in my mind of like, "Oh, this is a weird choice. I wish they had cast just a few other people so it didn't feel so stark that like she's kind of alone in a sea of whiteness and then she's kind of this corrupting force that's kind of weird you know and i i'm certainly not saying it's intentional you know or anything like that but i do think that's what you know why we should be sensitive about representation because it's not intentional you know what i mean like if if what ended up on film or video or however we do it was always our intentions then we would have to think about it less. You know, it wouldn't be as much of an issue. But sometimes stuff happens and you go, oh, actually, this feels kind of weird, you know, whatever. So anyways, I, but but again, I don't think that is the thing that's bothering me. I think there's something about it just didn't quite work as well for me. And that's, you know, that might be all in my head and have nothing to do with the movie. But I just got to be honest that my response on rewatch was not as strong. Whereas the first time I saw it, I felt pretty good. It's fascinating. It's fascinating that you... Uh, I like that. I like that you brought that to the table that your your experience upon rewatch wasn't as good as it was the first time. It's it's kind no. of like it's kind of like the first time I saw Judge and I shit my pants at how good it was and the next time I saw him and I was just like what what the fuck is this? 
I think the thing with Judge, oh, we shouldn't get on too big of a tangent, but just real quick. <laughs> the thing with Judge is there, there was so much legend to live up to. Yes. And the first few times they played, the legend was in the room with them. Yeah. You know? And then after that, it's like, yo, it's, I mean, not that, well, not that everyone in that band was necessarily, like, it's not that they were rusty, but I just think, I just think it's hard for them to live up to the expectation to some extent, you know? Agreed. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I, I don't know. What else? Do, do you have any other insights about Talk To Me? I mean, I, I will say when it comes to the theme of the episode, it really is. These teens are in their own fucking world. And even the mom has no power in there. You know, she tries, no. you know, but she is without. And like, to be fair, I wonder if I, if Maeve was older, I like, I wonder if this could also be a hard movie, not just for teenagers, but for parents. Right. Oh yeah. Like, Oh shit. Like my kid could be like these kids, you know, like I, Maeve is not in that world yet, but I can see this working, but you know, uh, I do. So I do think there's some of that going on, but I do think that if you're someone who is maybe sensitive about issues of addiction, I don't know if this is the best, uh, allegory for addiction or not. I know that it felt a little blunt to me, but I know for other people it worked really well. So who knows? Yeah. Well, that's our episode, Christina. <laughs> Christina and speak to me. No, uh, Christine uh, and and talk to me. Um, thank you to we have Ally Apparel Creations. God damn it! Thank you to our patrons on Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Fuck, we have Ally Apparel Creations at xlbacx.com. Uh, Essex Coffee Roasters at essexcoffeeroasters.com. And the lovely Paul Sharkey, who just sent me a very funny video. I said, I said it before. She's a woman. She turns into Mr. Burns. It's pretty good. He sent me a video on Instagram. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Sharkmedia.com. Um, and until next time, uh, I'm going to go ahead and still say fuck Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. And all the people licking his fucking shoes right now, especially yeah. fucking Elon Musk over there just the other yeah. day. Oh, and and Hakeem Jeffries and Chuck Schumer. Uh-huh. Fuck all of those people. Uh-huh. Um, until next time, ta. See you later. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts! Hey! Hey!